This episode of Social Media Secrets, we're about to nerd out. I've been doing a lot of that lately, and it has been absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to share today something that I'm not normally going to share outside of this podcast. So for those of you who are listening, you are in luck because literally you're going to learn something I've only shared inside of the social click, which is really, really fun. Okay. So one of the things that I love to do, it's kind of one of my favorite things to do is to study people's content who's performing really, really well. Now there are two different groups of people that I like to study. One is the studied marketers. So people who have spent a lot of time studying, learning, growing, practicing their craft. That's group A that I study. Group B is a little different though. Group B is basically a whole group of people that doesn't mean to actually be that good at marketing, but they're just naturally or accidentally very good at marketing. So I actually like to study these two groups of people because group A, I actually love the fact that most of them are actually underdogs or people who didn't naturally understand marketing. So they had to work really, really hard in order to get fantastic at it. And group B is the group of people who just naturally does it almost all of the time. Now, it can be hard to tell whether someone is learned or a natural in marketing, but it doesn't really matter. I just like to study people who are really good at what they do. Now, here's a, a really interesting case in point. So I was actually homeschooled until the age of fifth grade. I know that's not an age, uh, but I was really awkward in conversations and I was a big reader and writer. And that was like pretty much all I did was reading and writing. And that was my hobby, my life, everything. And I remember the girls would always make fun of me and they'd be like, you can't use words that are so big and so long. And they made it sound like it was awful to basically use big words. So they'd say like, what's your favorite color? And I'd be like, I love scarlet. And they'd be like, it's red, it's red. Stop being so weird, just call it red. And what they didn't know was I was actually learning how to socialize with kids my age. It was a new thing for me. And I had had some friends here and there growing up at churches and such, but growing up homeschooled meant that I had to learn how to interact with groups in ways that were consistent. So for me, social skills is something that was very, very learned and then something I went on to enjoy. So I love to study all kinds of different things. And one of my favorite things before we dive into this episode uh, is that Anyone can learn anything. That's such a cool thing to me. I'm not saying everyone has the ability to actually learn anything. Some people aren't going to understand math. Some people just aren't going to understand engineering. But the fact that any one of us can say, I really want to learn this thing and then go out and commit to learning it and learn it is one of the coolest concepts in the whole world to me. So I'm going to share with you something that I did. And I'll break down my process real fast and then talk about what I found. So I studied dozens of posts across several different marketers' um, profiles. Some are marketers by trade. Some are business owners who happen to be really fantastic marketers. And so basically the first thing that I would do is I would look at their last 20 posts to identify kind of their baseline for posts and see like, generally speaking, what's the range for how their content performs. Now, if you wanted a better sample size, you might go with like 100 of their most recent posts and that's a fantastic way to do it. But I just did it the one way. I, As I'm recording this podcast episode, I am live streaming on TikTok and I didn't know you could double tap your own screen to see hearts and likes. That's kind of cool. All right. So all of this to say, though, you start with identifying the baseline. What is the range for engagement on normal posts, just generally speaking? And if something goes significantly beyond or below, you're going to call that an outlier. Uh, basically, an outlier literally lies outside of the data set. Uh, I like to say like this one tanked or this one spiked. 
So spike is a good thing. Well, defined good. It's more of just, it means it got a lot more engagement and tanked means that they need to rework the message to communicate more effectively. Then what I do is I double star the ones that spiked uh, engagement. It's a really fascinating thing. Then I grab some of the ones that are at the higher end of their baseline and then the ones that spiked and I identify the patterns for why I believe it performed well. Now here's something that's really interesting. If we look at group A, the marketers who are learned, people who had to learn everything, um, people who were not naturally gifted at it or they had to really study people a lot, um, one of the things that's interesting is they're always kind of consciously thinking about or hiring people that think about what is the strategy that we're implementing. And then on the other side, you know, like the gold, the golden child of an industry, someone who's naturally gifted at something, they may not always hit the right levers because they don't necessarily have to think about it. So it's kind of interesting because a lot of their posts that didn't perform well could be reworked to work even better. But here's where I get really nerded out on this. So both groups I've noticed will sometimes share things that they don't realize is really effective marketing. It happens less in group A, but it happens more in group B. People who are naturally gifted marketers, they sometimes don't even realize the strategies and tactics that they're utilizing. So for me, it's really fascinating to step back and say, as a third party observer, I can tell why their content performs so well. So let's dive into 10 of those levers that I found this week, okay? I'm going to break these down in simple ways and I'm super excited for you guys that you get to listen to this because it's so fun and this is where I absolutely nerd out. All right. So lever one, there's a solution, aka there's a better way. What this means is the way you've been doing things is either wrong or a hard way to do things. And it's so fascinating to me, people who pull this lever of it's not really your fault. Like there's a better way to do things. No wonder you're so tired. You've been doing this all a challenging way. Uh, that one's really fascinating, especially because anyone can kind of implement it. Lever number two is here's your next step. So I love here's your next step because it's very tactical. So basically, if someone were to say like, great, you built your email list. Now it's time to go mark or go send it an email, right? Send your email list an email. You're giving people the next step. So if someone is saying like, uh, I'm experiencing imposter syndrome. Are you experiencing imposter syndrome? All right, here's the next action step to take. And people intentionally give a five or a 10 minute action step that can get someone a deliverable or a result. So no, lever two is here's your next step. Lever three is giving a new identity. This one's really fascinating because basically you take what it is that they don't like about their lives, themselves, their situation, the results of decisions, etc. And you, this is actually a really, really cool strategy because this can actually allow people to kind of draw a line in the sand and start over. So basically what you're going to do is say, all of those things are just a part of the old identity. Like just cast it out with the old identity and here, adopt a new identity. It's really interesting because, you know, the more I learned about marketing, the more I realized, wow, a lot of these were implemented in many of the churches that I went to. That's very fascinating. So lever three is giving a new identity. Lever four, I hope you guys, as you're listening to this, are geeking out as much as I do because this is so exciting. Lever four is a validation for your frustration. This is a big one. I remember one day when I was talking to my therapist and she said, one of the greatest things you can do in life, Rachel, is to give validation to people. She said, that is the single greatest thing. That is the point of therapy. That is the point of everything. 
is to give people validation for their experience. That is true empathy, that's kindness, that's compassion. And it's the only way that real change can occur is when someone's given validation for their experience, their story, etc. It's interesting, even as I'm reiterating this right now, I'm thinking of some times where I could have given more validation. But you know what? You live, you learn, you make mistakes, and you grow. So lever four is validation for frustration. And what's what I love about this is when someone says, Oh, my kids won't go to bed. Instead of being like, yeah, kids suck. Instead, what you say is like, listen, parents, one of the biggest things I learned was that you can either make decisions based on what's easy now or make decisions based on what is going to make their lives easier 20 years down the road. That's why it's hard now. Or you could say parenting's either gonna be hard now or hard in 10 years. So you get to pick which hard you're gonna embrace. So if you're embracing the hard the hardship of raising littles, it's probably gonna be easier down the road. So you're giving them a validation for their frustration and their experience, which is really powerful. Lever five is, urgent call to action. Now, I'm just going to be straight up honest. This is my least favorite one. Um, I do not love urgent calls to action unless it is literally something that is an emergency. And I feel like this gets really overused. What's interesting for me as well is as I step back and analyze the marketplace, I understand urgency and scarcity and calls to action. I love calls to action. I love true scarcity. Like we're actually limiting this to the first 1000 people and then it's done. It's gone etc but do not break your word then what bothers me about this is nothing's ever really that urgent and so i'm not a huge fan of trying to always add in urgency but this was one of the big things i discovered from a fantastic marketer's profile they were consistently adding in urgent calls to action really fascinating right lever six ooh, this one's fun you ready Everyone wants to be an outlier. Now, this one's super fun because it's simple. You can say something like, actually, I don't even think I meant to do this, but at the beginning of this episode, I said, not everyone's going to get why this episode's so good or something like that. I was accidentally creating the ability to become an outlier. So some people might skip this episode. Uh, only those who are super dedicated to marketing will make it all the way till the end. That would be an example of allowing someone to be an outlier. Now, the thing about it is you want to use this sparingly because you don't want to um, break people's trust with your recommendations. So this is really fascinating. Lever seven wins that inspire your community. You know, when I started to discover this, I realized that I was making a mistake that it's something I used to do in the past and I stopped doing it for whatever reason. I have theories as to why I stopped, but we're not going to go there today because you aren't my therapist. So lever seven is wins that inspire your community. Now, I used to share um, my students, my clients, my team, my personal wins all the time. And I stopped doing that. Um, I share my wins currently, but um What's interesting is we sometimes forget that our wins aren't just for us. So when our clients or our students or our customers have wins and breakthroughs, by sharing their wins, we are having or extending our ability to reach and impact more people. So if someone sees themselves in a testimonial, they're going to say, oh my gosh, I, I want that end result in this person's backstory, this person's emotions, this relates to me. So by sharing wins that inspire the community, it can literally help more people who need exactly what you offer to take action. Lever number eight, one of my faves, borrow my belief. 
borrow my belief is really big because basically you're saying, listen, if you don't believe in yourself, it's okay because I totally believe in you. Now, there are better ways to say that, but that's a great way to like let people say, I can do this. Uh, or it, you can also give people permission in a way. Here's your permission to do X, Y, and Z. Say it with me, etc. It's kind of a cool way to like let people kind of like borrow a portion of your confidence, certainty, belief, etc. Lever nine is mama bear. Now, this is a fun one because this is um, I feel this when it comes to mom stomachs, body shaming and anyone who would ever shame or try to shame a single mom. Mama bear. I will fight. I will take uh, all of the, the hate, the mean comments, etc. Why? Because I can handle it. So I'm going to go mama bear on those topics. And so you have to know what am I willing to become mama bear about? Like what's going to rile me up so much that I'm going to be like, absolutely not. Get out. Um, go like, you know, like Tyra Banks um, style where she like yelled, I am so disappointed in you. I have never in my life rooted for someone. You know, that's the kind of mama bear I'm talking. And lever number 10 is us versus them. Now, this one is you have to be very careful with this one because this one has been used to create so much division and war. I want to still talk about it because it's still a lever or mechanism that you can use. I don't love to use us versus them with people because whether or not you don't like someone, I just feel like it's really not a, a, a positive thing that adds to this world to literally be like, look how stupid this person is or look how dumb this person is or look how high and mighty I am and look at how unethical all these people are or whatever. The truth is, you guys, by the way, the people who feel the need to point fingers the most are the biggest hypocrites here. I just want to be super straight up and honest about this. In the seasons of my life where I pointed the most fingers at other people and said, me versus you, us versus them, it was the judgiest seasons of my life and it was the seasons of my life where I was the least uh, integrated, like uh, in alignment. So us versus them, I'm going to shift this a little bit because us versus them can be very powerful for behavior change. Um, but I'm a big fan of tweaking this slightly to make it their behaviors versus our behaviors, not us versus those people. So it's like they may <laughs> portray babes in bikinis and Lamborghinis <laughs> to get your attention, but I'm just going to be honest. Mm, I've tried to put a car seat in the back of a Lamborghini and it simply does not fit for that reason. I drive a three row SUV. So do you guys catch how you can still do us versus them without feeling the need to like hurt people? Um, even when someone, you don't agree with their methodologies or whatever, I just, we all have to remember that they're human. So I hope you guys got to nerd out with me on this because I love these 10 lovers. Uh, let me know on Instagram, by the way, if you want me to talk more about this because I, I love talking about what I find when I study different pieces of content and profiles and books, etc. Uh, by the way, if you want to geek out, nerd out on marketing all the time, head on over to clickforlife.com. That's my mentorship and mastermind program. And we go pretty deep into marketing psychology, uh, things that you can do to build your business ethically, which is really fun. And uh, that is all I have. Go have the best day ever. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Bye for now.